Welcome to the Real Triathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Garrick Lowen, here with Nicholas Chase and Jackson Laundry. Welcome back to the Real Triathlon Podcast. We have a great episode for you guys in store, as per usual. Today we have two fantastic women from the Fund Her Tri organization as well as the Diversity Triathlon Movement who have teamed up and they are going to go into some detail about that. I would highly recommend heading into the show notes, checking out the fundhertry.org where you can make some donations for this fantastic not-for-profit. But without further ado, I don't need to ramble on and explain about it. These ladies do an excellent job, so let's roll into that interview. So I am so excited to bring our two guests on today. We have Lynn Maddox and Vanessa Forster. Am I saying that properly? Yeah, um, now, they, they were brought to my attention by a mutual friend. And I, we've done a, an episode before where we're trying to bring more people into the sport and figuring out how we can grow. And I think what you two are doing and you know, the small information I could get from your Instagram and your uh, promotion for donations, like I think it's awesome. So I want to personally give you two a form and Jackson does too. He's, he's here. Go ahead and say hi, Jack. Hey guys. <laughs> he's here too. We want to know what we can do and you know, what initiated this response. And one day, you know, cause it takes a big leap to go from, I think we should, do this to actually doing it and it's like it's intimidating to a lot of people which is why there's not a lot going on there so you two are doing great stuff anyways before i ramble on lynn or vanessa go ahead and jump in and tell us all about fund her try uh, okay so i'm lynn maddox i am the uh founder and currently the executive director i can be both because i don't make any money so nice title <laughs> Yeah, so I uh, created uh, the organization Fund Her Try, which is um, a 501c3 nonprofit organization um, that is chartered to increase the participation of women in triathlon. So um, essentially, Vanessa and I both have two separate uh, entities that are kind of really working together. So I'll kind of give you my rundown of what Fund Her Try is and how we kind of got started. So basically I'm a triathlete. I've been doing triathlon, mostly long course. I dabble in short course, but I'm not very good at it. So <laughs> <laughs> mostly race long course for about 10 years. Um, that's how I know you, Nick, we were teammates, yeah. USMES teammates. Still are. Um, still are. Yes. So <laughs> I, I love, I love it. Like USMES is kind of a great example of like, one of the things I love about triathlon is the community aspect of it. And so, um, I went through this really like life changing thing by training for triathlon. I, I found out all of these things about myself and had this wonderful experience. And then as I got, as, as I was doing the sport for more and more years, it started occurring to me how many guys there were, but there oh, just yeah. weren't as many women. And I did not like that. I was really kind of, you know, like, this is no good. I don't, I don't, I want more girls out there. And I started inviting all my friends. And so I spent a few years just inviting friends to race and uh, train with me and 
suffer together. And my, so my husband is active duty military. So currently we're stationed in South Korea. And basically when I was um, at our last duty station, we were getting ready to move. And I knew that I was going to be losing my full-time job. So by trade, I'm an air traffic controller. I, that's how I normally would make a living, but I knew that moving here, I wouldn't be able to have a full-time position in air traffic control. And so at like any type A personality, I started to freak out a little bit and was like, I, I need to have something. What am I going to do? You know, and besides train all day long. So I was really, really excited about bringing more women into the sport because the more women I invited in, the more I could see the transformation in them, just like kind of what I had seen. And so I decided to create Fund Her Try as a way to break down the financial barrier to entry into the sport. So as we all know, like there's a laundry list of barriers into triathlon. It's expensive. It's intimidating. Um, we could go on and on. But and swimming. The financial, <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Like so many things. So the financial aspects seem like something that I could very clearly kind of like easily tackle. So I created the organization. Um, Vanessa knows the story that like, I thought I could make a, a nonprofit all on my own and learned very quickly that that's a terrible idea. So I hired some help and um, invested a little money and basically was able to get actual nonprofit status because it felt like that was important for our credibility. Is it tough so, to do? Like how, how hard is it to have that? Oh, it is kind of tough. It's expensive. Number one, um, if you don't know what you're doing, like, so the organization that I use to help me was, is called foundation group. And essentially I hired them to create all of our legal documents so that we knew that like everything was legit. And this and, is for the IRS, right? Yes, absolutely. So, um, when you apply for nonprofit status, there is a chance. So every time you apply, it's a fee. It's, I want to say it was about $600. Um, and there's a chance that you could pay that money, go through that whole application process and then be denied. So I didn't have that kind of money to invest, to take the chance of being denied. So I thought it was smarter to kind of, um, use a professional. So basically I, I, you know, worked with foundation group to create all of our, to, to come up with the very clear cut idea of what we're going to do and create all of our documents to apply for 501c3 status, um, which I think everyone knows this, but I'll just say it out loud. What that does is it gives your donors the, it means that the, all donations are, are tax deductible. And so essentially it's an organization's way of taking care of their donors. And also, like I said, shows credibility. So, okay. um, eventually as you know, if I, if I stepped down as the president technically of the board of directors, because that's another requirement, you have to have a board of directors. You can't just be on your own. Um, so I gathered some, some female triathlete friends and, um, you know, we, made a board of directors, people that I really like. Like, um, like, would you be a secretary for my organization? You don't really have, to, I'll do all the work. You just need to have your name there. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is like that. Honestly, like the day-to-day -day is all me, but um, we work together to, you know, make any major decisions or, um, you know, make sure all the tax documents are aligned and stuff like that. But um, yeah, so we were granted, so I started the organization Technically, in January of 2019, we were granted nonprofit status in February. And at that point, we really started fundraising. And so basically, our core concept is 
we pay for race registration fees for first time female triathletes. Oh, so nice. So we raise money and um, at this moment, no one gets paid. Like I said, eventually that could be a thing, but right now it's, it's everybody's a volunteer. So a labor of love. Other, absolutely. That's exactly what I call it. So total labor of love. Um, I fundraise, raise money all throughout the year. And on our website, we have an application. And so any first time female triathlete um, can apply for sponsorship is what we call it. And as long as there is money, the answer will always be yes. So we, um, we have a, a couple of parameters. So we do not fund currently any long course races. So we're trying to, um, Vanessa and I have talked a lot about this, like we're really trying to kind of foster triathlon from the lower level. So like with beginners, um, bringing people into the sport and, and giving them a really supportive, wonderful environment so that they stay and they grassroots style. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like, I don't, we have a cap of $150. So we will pay up to $150 for races. Um, and I mean, that in and of itself is kind of a reason why, why my organization exists because the average cost of a race registration for a sprint distance triathlon is about a hundred dollars. Um, which is, I mean, if you think about all the other things that you need, that's a lot. And so Mm -hmm. sometimes, um, that, you know, actually, completing that registration and paying that money is something that keeps people from, from doing it. So, um, yeah, so we basically, when an athlete applies for registration, we reach out to their race and we say, Hey, we would like to pay you. And we give the, the money directly to the race directors. We do not ask races for discounts and, um, occasionally we will get them, but that's one of the things that I try to, kind of keep the big picture in mind. So the big picture is supporting, bringing people into the sport, bringing more women into the sport, but also nurturing and putting money back into the sport. So we don't ask for free registrations because that's not sustainable. So we raise money so that we can pay the registration so that the race can continue to thrive. The money is going back into triathlon, but then a woman gets not only her registration paid for, but she becomes part of our community. And so on her try, everyone's really supportive. We have um, some ambassadors, we have some mentors, we have a coaches alliance. So it's it's like all about creating this very supportive environment. So, um, but at the core, we just want to give you money so that you will try a try. Like that's our number one thing. Perfect. Um, So yeah, so that's kind of what fund her try does. And then, so, so I've been, working on this since, like I said, January of 2019. And then a few months ago, uh, one of our ambassadors dropped Vanessa into my life. And so I'll let her tell you who she is and what she does. Yes, please. Yeah. Um, First of all, thanks for having us on, guys. It's really amazing to be able to just talk about what we're doing individually and how it blends together and how what we're really trying to do is exactly what Lynn said, is just elevate the sport of triathlon together. So we did um, meet a couple weeks, a couple months ago and have had these conversations about what we're trying to do. And so I started, I'm the founder of the Diversified Triathlon Movement, um, which I just founded about two and a half months ago. Beautiful. And it's crazy to think about how quickly it's moved forward and what we're doing for the sport. So again, that grassroots level, that grassroots change is really what we're, what we're trying to do. Um, and for me, it was born out of an idea like first week in June, when the spotlight on social and racial injustice really came to light. 
And I found myself doing what a lot of people were doing at the time, which was just pointing fingers and blaming, especially the organizations involved in triathlon, namely USAT, Ironman, those kind of organizations that hadn't made a statement and hadn't said anything um, around their support for the BLM movement. And so for me, being a person of color, having been in the sport for um, over a decade, 13 years, I've been racing long course triathlon. I decided instead of pointing fingers to become a leader that I was waiting for. And so in the same regard that Lynn was talking about really breaking down, really focusing on one of the barriers to triathlon, because we could spend the next several hours talking about all of the barriers. I chose to focus on the one being knowledge and support and bringing more BIPOC athletes into the sport of triathlon. So I have been in the sport for, like I said, over a decade, I've moved across the country. Interestingly, from bigger communities to, to smaller and colder. <laughs> but I, um, have, I know quite a few people across the country and I thought, how can I leverage the power of connection to bring people together and to offer that opportunity for those that are interested in the sport but feel like they don't have the resources or don't know who to talk to and who just to ask like, hey, like, how do you put them to your shoes? Like that kind of thing. Yeah. So I chose to address knowledge and support. So the simple, like the mission of the Diversified Triathlon Movement in its simplest form is just to, again, change that landscape, bring BIPOC athletes in by pairing triathlon coaches with BIPOC athletes that are interested in triathlon. That was the premise of it in the beginning. And it still, it still is. But what's happened now is we've bridged into that financial support as well. Cool. Thankfully, with my um, relationship with Lynn, and also through some company partnerships, which I'm super, super grateful for, because now the athletes have their coach, they're paired one-on-one -on -one with coaches, and those coaches have graciously offered to give the athletes three months of coaching and support free of charge. And over the course of those three months, we also do uh, Zoom workshops on, we did nutrition, we had Alan Lim, the founder of Scratch, talk about his story being um, you know, Asian growing up in the cycling community and working his way up in the cycling community and how, his story behind that. Um, my husband's also a physical therapist and a running specialist, and we'll talk about biomechanics of running and all those things to really open up what that knowledge could be for the athletes. And I'm really, really excited about that. So we are like about halfway through-ish this first round of the DTM in terms of the athletes. So the goal originally was 30 athletes. And I remember on June 10th, I was like, okay, I've got 21 days to find 30 athletes. And within 36 hours, I had like 30 submissions already. And I holy cow, crazy. It That's blew amazing. up so quickly. And I'm so grateful for the power of social media and how the message could get shared. And again, I tried to make it as simple as possible. I had already found the coaches and that was an open call for athletes. So I actually increased my capacity. So now we have 20. 25 coaches and 50 athletes that are involved in the movement. And uh, it's just been really, really incredible to watch this first round evolve in the way that it has. It's not going to be a one and done. It's absolutely my intention to continue to bring this into 2021, especially when we're racing again, um, and allow more BIPOC athletes to have the opportunity to be a part of it. But what's really been really eye-opening and just a beautiful revelation for me is when the athletes reach out and they say things like, I would have never tried this sport if it wasn't for DTM. 
That and is for fantastic. That reason, that's the, that's what that's the point. Even just this morning, I got a picture of two athletes. Uh, thankfully, I, I had a little bit of crossover in terms of the athlete's location and the coaches. So I tried to pair them if they were in the same area, and it really only worked with one coach in Jacksonville, <laughs> Florida. Um, but she has just done a phenomenal job in terms of the swimming aspect of triathlon. And she sent me a picture of two of her athletes, one who's 50 years old and one who's 70 years old. That's no way. How to swim and gearing up for whenever their first race is. And that, it brought me to tears. It's the most amazing thing to see these athletes who would have never tried the sport otherwise be equipped with the knowledge, equipped with someone willing to take the time to teach them. And then I have a one young adult, he just graduated from high school going to college, who his mom emailed me and said, thank you so much for making this an opportunity for my son. He always thought that because the people that play basketball look like him, that's like what he's referencing in terms of, you know, the sport he's supposed to be a part of. He never thought about becoming a runner and then trying triathlon. And, and she said, DTM, the Diversified Triathlon Movement, was what he needed to actually like encourage him to try something new. That is that amazing. Beautiful. Yeah. Sure. Ha have you heard of Philip McCauley? No. It's McCaddy. McCaddy. I'm so sorry, Philip, um, for doing that to you. But um, <laughs> we, we had an interview with him and he's uh he's like a Jamaican celebrity like over there as far as triathlon goes. So he you lives should... in Canada. Yeah, he lives in Canada. We had him on as a guest. Um, check that episode out. He uh, also a fantastic, charismatic energy. And he was funny in just like alluding the fact like, he's like, I just realized over time, like nobody else looks like me out here. And I just like, think it's funny that I'm just like known as a fast black guy now. And, and I embrace that. He thinks it's awesome. So <laughs> like that type of energy and acceptance and just drive yeah, to- he's a great to role make, model too. Yeah. So we want to make sure you guys reach out to him and see if he can, you know, send some folks your way too. Um, yeah. quick question. What have you noticed as far as trends? Um, as far as what are the major barriers to entry? If you could just think of like one, you know, what could we pinpoint? Uh, whew. I know there's I mean, like a billion. financial for sure. hundred yeah. percent because okay. it being three sports, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Financial, a hundred percent, and I think very closely behind that is swimming. So there's a there's a a long-standing history of why people of color don't know how to swim, okay. and there are a lot of jokes about it, and like people of color being afraid of swimming. But if you look at the history of it, the accessibility wasn't there in neighborhoods that were primarily of color, okay, and so yeah. or if they were, black people weren't allowed to swim in the pools. So yeah. that was that was passed down generationally. And so we've come to a place where we still have a lot of adults that don't know how to swim. Yeah. But I think if we were to pinpoint one, it would absolutely be financial. Okay. Yeah. I guess gear. Well, and I, yeah. I think, yeah. So Vanessa and I have kind of talked about this um, before, like it's like what we're doing, the idea of what we're doing is, you know, we're starting small, but like, the idea is for it to snowball and eventually yeah. be very far reaching. So, so in, in both of those areas, so like financially the way, well, so first of all, when you have people represented more people, like when a, when a little girl of color sees a, a grown woman of color doing a triathlon that she's represented and she goes, Oh my goodness, maybe I could do this too. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so 
this is the first thing that like, in my mind, it just snowballs. So it, even though like, yes, so we have 50 people right now and 50 is not a large number, but, but it, it is like, that's yeah, a is. Great, that's great start because now we have those 50 people that will be represented on the start line yeah. and those 50 people. And obviously like Vanessa said, this isn't a one and done situation, but just those 50 people will hopefully see someone will see them and yeah. go, okay, now I'm represented. And now I, I'm willing to, to say yes, you know, to try it. So that's one aspect, but then, you know, as far as snowballing, but then the other thing is like trying to break down the financial barrier and trying to bring more people into the sport is it's the goal is to eventually make the sport more affordable. So if we can bring more athletes to the sport, then supply and demand tells us that the sport wouldn't be as expensive. And so, yes, entry fees will still be large, but if we have more people doing triathlon, then maybe race directors could back off the entry fees a little bit. And if we have, you know, more, if we're bringing triathlon to communities that are not as affluent as the communities that currently have triathlon, then maybe we can get some, some bike sponsors and some helmet companies and, you know, some, some people who make wetsuits and swim caps and all of these things yeah. to see like, Hey, we need to nurture the people in this community and let's do that. Like, let's find a way to do that. And so the idea is starting small, but eventually snowballing and trying to get as many people involved as possible so that we can, we can gradually and maybe slowly, but we can gradually break, bring the cost down to be able to do triathlon for everyone. Well, yeah. And any, any company who's going to get involved with you at this level is just setting an incredible standard too. And they're probably just as vital as what you guys are doing, because if you get free helmets or, you know, free anything like just to get people to, cause sometimes spending 75 bucks on a helmet is just like, it's like, well, this is a lot for a helmet for people who don't understand how expensive helmets can get. So, <laughs> and, and they're also like creating a great, brand image for themselves and you know influencing future customers and at the same time they're just like being part of growth and that's that's probably my biggest criticism of the iron man brand is that it doesn't i mean we've got the try kids and we've got uh women for try and the iron man foundation it just seems like those could do a little bit more and i hope eventually you know maybe there's some collaboration in the future and then there's money funneled back into programs that are more grassroots because that's the biggest problem like you said there's you know these small little races mom and pop races are getting shut down because no one's going to yeah. them anymore so yeah. we need and this is you know covid has been like the best thing for those races because we can't race with thousands of people we're racing with 200 people now and that's Max, you know, yeah. these grass grassroots races yeah, yeah, and, and I, that's where people get started in the sport. Like no one is doing their first triathlon as an Ironman. Oh like, man, they, I'm, I got to stop. I get like some inquiries sometimes. Like, well, I was gonna, I signed up for Ironman St. George. I'm like, well, you got three months. Have you done anything? No, I haven't. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> well, think. Ironman's done that job, and I think the thing with all their foundations is they're trying to get people into their brand. Yes. They don't really care about getting people yeah. into the sport, but the bottom line is triathlon is awesome at the grassroots level. Like, you know, this year we've just had a local coach putting on these small races of like literally a dozen people. And some of us local pros have gone and done it. And it's like, that is just as fun. And we've like discovered like, Holy cow, we don't have to go to, you know, Mexico or anywhere to race. If there's a race, like it's just as fun to race your buddies, you know, who live a mile from you. 
Um, but I really liked your point about how, you know, if you have 50, let's say people of color or 50 more women who go out and do a race, it really is more than 50 because they also yeah. talk to their, all their friends and their social family media. and people see them. They're on social media and like, Oh, look, you know, my buddy is out doing this triathlon and he's a black dude. There's not a lot of black dudes, but there's one more. Maybe I could join him. Like, what's this all about? And all of a sudden it's, you know, it just, it's snowballs like that. And that's probably the reason the sport became so white is because there's all these white dudes doing it at the beginning and everyone's like, Oh, my buddy's doing it. I'll do it. And then it just grows that way. And so now we're trying to, you know, get all people represented in the sport and really grow it. And, you know, we like, a lot of the talk that Nick and I and, and Garrick, the other host have had is like, well, okay, we're a bunch of white dudes, but like, what can we do to help bring other ethnicities, more women into the sport? So I really hope that we've been able to like that, what you guys have, have told us can kind of resonate with a lot of our listeners who are probably also mostly white dudes. And, you know, we can just foster a good environment where, you know, someone like Philip McCaddy, who we've had on, you know, feels welcome in the sport and like, there's nothing we can do about being white, but maybe we can, we can get some other people in who, uh, you know, who just feel supported by it. And, and I love what you guys are doing, but, uh, how did, so how did the two organizations work together? That's my like one question. Obviously it's a very similar goal, but how did you, how do you guys, do you guys cross promote or how does that kind of work for you guys? So I, I can explain Vanessa, how we kind of got started. And if you want to like take it from there, but so basically, you know, as we've already kind of touched on the power of social media. So one of the um, aspects of my organization is, like I mentioned before, is ambassadors. So essentially the first year, the ambassadors were just a group of my friends and it was people that like wanted to, they kept saying, people kept asking me, how can I, how can I help? How can I help? And I was like, uh, I need to find a way for them to help. And so I created an ambassador program. And so now that program is my, friends, friends, and you know, it's, it's grown. And so essentially one of my, one of the fund her try ambassadors is also on team smash and Vanessa is on team smash. And so, um, uh, Shannon, when she saw Vanessa's post about the DTM at her initial very beginning, like very first post, like the I have an idea and if it works, it'll change the landscape of triathlon. Like these words, like when Shannon saw it, she was like, oh my gosh, this is, we need to, we need to be involved. And so Shannon uh, reached out to me and she was like, you need to meet Vanessa and we need to, we need to like figure out how you guys can work together. And so I, you know, looked at the post and immediately was um, excited because prior to that, so man, there's so many connections and so many like, so one of the girls that's in the DTM as an athlete, her name's Kirthi. She is, she's so brilliant. She's a, um, I think she's actually a doctor now. She just graduated from medical school. Um, but she's wow. Indian and she had reached out to me like two, maybe not even, maybe it was one week before Shannon. And she was like, Hey, so I'm kind of nervous asking about this, but I was wondering if there's anything that if you know of an organization or if you have an initiative to try to bring more people of color into the sport, because what I'm noticing is, is that it's not very diverse. And I was like, well, I don't know of an initiative, but let's start one. 
And then I like instantly, you know, panicked because I always do this where I'm like, okay, let's do it. And then I'm like, oh my God, how do we do it? I don't know. We'll figure it out. (laughs) But um, then no kidding, not, you know, a week later was when Shannon messaged me and said, you know, check out Vanessa. And so I looked at Vanessa's Instagram post and I was like, and I had just seen, I think you had, had you just been on the, the Iron Women podcast Probably. Or was that after? Yeah. So, so I had just heard of you like in passing. And so I looked at the post and I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this Answer is the thing. Your prayers. Yes. Like I don't Why have start to your do own it. When you can support this other one, right? Yeah. Someone's already doing it. And so it was like, you know, when I say I fell into my lap in, in the best way, we just kind of, it was like, I needed her for, you know, what Kirthi had mentioned and then she can explain how she needed me (laughs) and I needed Lynn in the same way because very soon after I launched DTM I thought okay I really want to have a race registration scholarship of sorts I think it would be the most amazing thing to be able to um, sponsor these athletes first race registration and I looked into starting a nonprofit, and I was like, "Oh hell no! Oh, what is this? Like how?" And I, because I was very, very, That's very crazy. clear with myself in the beginning. I mean, I wanted to keep it simple and not because I was getting a lot of ideas of like how to make DTM like next level and the better and better, which I very much appreciate. People wanted to mentor the athletes and donate gear and all of these things, which make be available for the next rounds of DTM. In the beginning, I wanted to keep it streamlined. But one of the things I was really passionate about was being able to sponsor that first registration. And I looked at the nonprofit and I told my husband, I was like, oh, I don't know if this is, <laughs> I, I don't know if this is possible, but I can't filter the money through me. Like that can't be legal. And about the same time, Lynn reached out, having already created an organization that does the exact same thing. So why create it? And when you can just support what's already out there. So nice. we had a conversation about how we could join forces and how we could create a fundraising campaign specifically for the DTM athletes. And I'm so grateful for Lynn's support in that she is, the fundraising campaign has actually just launched. We're inside of it right now. We're a weekend. And um, even though it's fun, her try and, and uh, Lynn was, is very passionate about bringing more females to the sport. Uh, she has graciously agreed to allow this fundraising window to actually support all of the athletes in DTM regardless of the gender they identify with. So it's really exciting. Uh, We launched on August 18th and it's going until September 15th. So any money that's raised in that window will support the athletes and their first race registration, whether it's 2020 or 2021, whenever it is. We're just hoping for some races. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's how, that's how we came together and that's how DTM and, and fund her try are, you know, riding off in the sunset together could not be it's like a match made in heaven yeah yeah perfect well and so um you know it's interesting like when you talk about being a a white guy in the sport and so you're the you're the majority and you're like well how can we help how do how do we make the sport more diverse like it's a similar situation being i mean i'm i'm a white girl in the sport but just because I'm a white athlete doesn't mean that I don't want to make the sport. I want the sport to be more diverse. I want it to be as diverse as the world around me, you know? So, but there's, I think it's important for us to recognize like as a white athlete, sometimes I need to um, be mindful of, of how I go about things because my voice might not be the, the one that needs to be heard at that moment, you know? Exactly. And so early on, Vanessa and I were talking and 
she said words that I had never heard put this way before, but we were talking about, we're talking about messaging. And I was like, okay, so, um, you know, we were discussing like our first, when we announced partnership and, and this and that, you know, logistics of, of, um, these types of things. Like when you're going to put something on social media, it's obvious that we kind of all need to be on the same page. And so we were talking about this and she said, um, I said something about her writing a post and then she said that we were amplifying a colored voice. And those words like really stuck with me because I felt like this is something that we as a, as a white athlete, this is what I can do. Like I can be a person who not only supports with my money, you know, um, movements or initiatives or fundraisers or whatever, like, of course I can do that. But the other thing I can do is I can be a person who amplifies a colored voice. And that is how we bring diversity in and how we bring inclusion in is that maybe it's not always my voice that's heard, but I'm like, like wanting to share the voices of my, my friends and, and help amplify the voice of another, you know? So I think, yeah, go ahead. So, so it's just sometimes better for us to just listen. And I think that that's yeah. as beautiful as it could be, you know, just being part of it and watching someone else and lifting somebody else up is, is really what I think we want to do too, as far as, you know, the message and the platform. And, um, before, before I do forget, I've always found it really tough for, you know, I, I know our culture in the U S but I've traveled all over the world and it has to be really hard for women of different cultures where maybe you know, the husbands aren't as open to their wives doing these things. Have you encountered any of these experiences where wives are like, I want to do this, but I'm scared to bring it up? You know, have you, have you found that yet? Um, Vanessa? I have not. I have not run into that. Is that specifically like, because Lynn lives in, in South Korea? Well, like I was just like, I was thinking or? like, you know, Indian cultures, you mentioned that, like, um, where, yeah. you know, maybe wives are not really as, you know, you know, out and about and doing these things, you know, I don't really know the, the actual demographics yeah. of it, but I was just thinking like, it has to maybe not even cross some, some people's minds because they're just like, well, my husband would never let me do that. Um, just because yeah. of our, you know, I'm supposed to be you know, whatever the definition of their society is at the time. So I think the one thing that comes to mind when you ask that question is, so I know we're talking about like cultures and we're not talking about it in this way, but I will give my answer to that question based on my experience, which is that I am, I've been, I was in the military for 10 years and I've been a military spouse for about 13. So I've been around the military community and military culture mm -hmm. for almost, well, 20 years now. So one of the things that's really interesting, and so the military culture is very, I'm so thankful, like our environment is very diverse and it's wonderful. And I would say that that like, even though I'm around a very diverse community, one of the things that's very common in this community is for spouses to uh, not necessarily be employed, not have full-time jobs. Okay. And as a result of that, what I have seen that goes to your question is a lot of women not being willing to try triathlon because it's so financially cumbersome and they don't work. And so it's like, well, my husband brings in all the money. This is a really big expense. And there's a lot of that kind of thing. And this is women of all colors. 
And so um, that has been a really interesting thing to navigate here. And, and in this small community, um, I've seen it in my community here as well as at other places we've been stationed. And um, it is really, really great to see. So, so navigating it is different depending on every person. It's different for every single person. But once it is navigated and these women like have a taste of triathlon, I cannot tell you, like, it gives me chills to talk about how they're like, oh my God, I've, I've had people literally say the words to me for the first time in many years, I felt like I was something more than just so-and-so's wife. Oh, exactly. Oh I wanted God. to hear that. Yes. Like it's this most amazing thing. And, and this is not a situation where, um, it's not been my experience where it's like the husband or the spouse period, husband, wife, either way, but primarily in my experience, I'm talking about bringing women into the sport. So, um, it's not necessarily a situation where the husband is like, no, you can't spend the money. It's actually almost never that it's that the woman puts this on herself. Okay. So it's like, we, you know, women are like these women in particular, a lot of military spouses are like, well, I can't spend the money. I can't buy this bike because I don't, I don't bring in a paycheck. And yeah. meanwhile, this woman is at home taking care of everything that needs she's, to be taken care yeah, of. She's part of the team just as much. Absolutely. Absolutely. But there's that like kind of hesitation yeah. to um, spend money because they're not making money. But I'm telling you, like, it's, it's really, really neat to see them as soon as they get a taste. And I mean, I'm, I'm not talking about even doing a race. I'm talking about only training. They pick up training and they start swimming and biking and running. They have the gear to do those things. And they are like, oh my God, I feel so powerful. I feel so much more like I have my own identity now. And I can, I can have something that's like a hobby that I can put myself into. And, um, and it isn't just all about my spouse anymore. And so it's really incredible. And it's been a very, very wonderful thing to watch. And the majority of these women um, are over the age of 35. So for anybody who's listening, that's like, oh, I might be a little bit too old. Mm, no, no way. not. <laughs> we just heard about so, a seven-year-old learning to swim. So that's right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Vanessa, real quick, um, I got to, you know, I'll put you on the chopping block real quick. Ask a tough question. Um, What's that Ironman trophy in the back? That's my question. Which race is that? Chattanooga, 2019. Nice. Oh, 70.3 or full? Full. Come on, Nick, that's a cone of coin right there. Nick, Nick <laughs> well, his points were 70.32. Nick was third place pro at that race. Nice. I love Dang that it. race. Oh, yeah. Give me, give me the harder run course. I'm all about it. Yeah, nice. that was definitely hard. It was about 190 yeah. so degrees hot. out there. <laughs> it, snowed, it snowed here in Bozeman that weekend. Oh, my goodness. Whoa. Sure did. Um, yeah. So, anyways, Vanessa, yes. I'm currently in Chicago and like, you know, I live in St. George majority of the time. So we're kind of like a small community, but being in Chicago downtown, like the tension here is crazy between, you know, ethnicity. It's nuts. Um, do you find within the diversify movement, any barriers to entry as far as like inequality or people feeling like pressure to not do it for whatever reason? Um, is, is there anything that you can expand on there or is it pretty neutral? You know, as far as I know, it's pretty neutral. Now, what I know is what people have communicated with me. And I come from the space of wanting to create this movement to uplift. So I didn't at any point say like preface with like, hey, you might come across some issues or you might 
you know, I, I didn't want to yeah. create any of that. Of so it, it could be happening within the athletes and I might not know of it. Um, and I also, to speak to my community as, as Lynn was just speaking to hers, I live in a very small community. There's barely 50,000 people here in Bozeman and I'm the only colored triathlete. And I know that because we have Whoa. one pool and <laughs> <laughs> the hours are limited. So I see who's there. Uh, and you know, for me, I, I don't run into those issues as often as I actually used to. I've, I haven't had any terrible racist you know, encounters necessarily in my life, not nearly what other people have experienced, especially as of recent. Um, but in my community itself, I, what I try to do is create my own sense of belonging. And that's what I've tried to offer and instill in the athletes within DTM. Now, will that completely shield them from what's happening in their community? Absolutely not. But I come from this space of what can we control and what can we, what, who can we be in the face of adversity? And that's what I try to offer to the athletes. Exactly. So awesome. I think I, I appreciate that you approach it from a point of positivity from the, from the start. And that's really what people are gravitated towards anyways. And mm -hmm. I think that's kind of why you two are seeing so much success because it's just, it's charisma. It's, it's like you guys found each other on this awesome path. And like you said, the word snowball effect, like that's in my mind with what's happening right now. And I think you'll see, you know, 120 or 180 athletes coming to you within the next six to yeah. eight months, especially mm -hmm. as this goes. And you'll, you'll probably get on more podcasts and more articles. So don't forget about us when you're up there in the big time. <laughs> yeah. we when you're getting the big podcast with thousands famous. of viewers. <laughs> like, no, no, the, the Real Triathlon podcast is 100 listeners. Right. That's where it started. Favorite. Yeah. <laughs> but, that was actually, that's what pushed the snowball down the hill. Right. We know it. Right. We know Critical it. mass. Yeah. Um, but, but I do think like to my point in asking that question too is also to take a positive spin that the community of triathletes and endurance athletes in general, we don't tend to notice those types of things. Like if you're out there and you're willing to toe the line and you, you've got your, your gear and you've got, you just, your, your ability to show up, like we're just accepting, I think of people who are willing to suffer together. So I think that yeah. this is like the most, probably one of the most neutral environments for any um, culture to be involved in. Once you, get past the barriers to entry, which you guys are, you gals yeah. are totally trying to eliminate. So that's, that's what exactly I wanted what we're to trying out. to do. Cause once you're, yeah. I, I actually did an interview on iron woman podcast and uh, the woman I was interviewing, Jay said that like the community is so amazing. Once you're a triathlete, you're a triathlete. Yeah. You're in, yeah. Right. But what we're trying to do is take yeah, where we it. are is and bring more people in. Yeah. yeah. It's and lovely like, in here it's lovely it in here. Like it's like, yeah. it's beautiful and it smells good and it's got the best decorations and the best music <laughs> yeah. and it's just a dance party. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> and some people just need a little bit of a reach out. Right. Yeah. And say like, come on, give that and have that invitation. And that's, that's what we're trying to do is invite more and people again, to this amazing sport with the representation. Like it's huge. Yeah. Like and the, that representation. Yes. Like yeah. when, once, because I 100% agree. And I try to explain this to a lot of the girls that I train with and, and invite into the sport, like, because they all say, you know, um, everyone's concerned about being a beginner. And I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. Like, this is the most wonderful environment. We love beginners. Yeah, we we do. want you, like, we want you in and we are going to do whatever we can to keep you. Like, we are yeah. going to love on you and cheer you on. And we'll go back. And if it's a local race, not an Ironman, because it's not allowed, but if it's a local race, we'll yeah. go back and run through the finish line with you, you know, like yeah. <laughs> are here for you. But yeah. I think this, like, 
like the getting your foot in the door is the representation is so huge. So when no one looks like you, when no one is, is, a, you know, something for you to relate to in some way, it's much, much harder. And so yeah. this is why I get, I'm very excited about like the inclusion of more women and, and the diversification, because I just look at all the little, um, I mean, I'm saying little, but my kid is like taller than me now, but my, <laughs> my kids, like I want my kids to see everything, every single option represented because that way they understand that like they're inviting their friends too. And we all, um, we can all do this. It's yeah. no one is, is left out. You know, and it's a challenge. Like we want you to be like, Oh, I'm nervous. I'm scared. We're we'll like, Oh, you are. Well, I'm going to bring you on in here and show you how good it is. Like if you're yeah. pensive, we're like more, more motivated to get you involved. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But um, I think, you know, all the points we've hit on are exactly why I wanted you two on here. Um, thank you. Thank you so much for working your butts off and making a nonprofit and spreading the word. We hope that we can be a small part of that journey to bring more people to you. Um, I'll certainly, you know, make sure to send everyone I can your way. And I know Jackson will too. We'll get some more Canadians for you. Yeah, do you guys have a Canadian contingent? Yeah, yeah. And two, <laughs> awesome. there's two Canadian athletes. There's awesome. also one from Montana because I was Whoa. like, I've got to have Montana <laughs> represented. Did you just walk around and look for someone like, do I, do <laughs> I should have, but it was like last minute. I was like, I need to get one in. So yeah. I use social media. Yeah, I like give a bike, nice. Things. You're done. You're in. Yeah, you're in. Let's go. No bike? Actually, you're still in. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll swim, find you a bike. Jerseys. Cool. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll look forward to having you on in another six months and talk about the growth and hopefully we're doing some racing by then. If not, um, I'm sure some local stuff will be kicked off. I know I've done a couple of low, low key stuff. Jackson has too. And I'm sure um, over where you are, you'll see something in the next couple of months. And I mean, we've got challenge Davos going this weekend, which is big, you know, in Switzerland. Yeah. I figured they would have been one of the last, they're pretty conservative, but yeah. um, that's awesome. So Anything else before we sign off? Any any other further last minute thoughts? So maybe Vanessa, you'll you'll give like a um, a how to support. Like yes. what, what do what can people do right now? Yeah. And then um, you know also because I know you have some some sponsors for the DTM. So if there's like how to support and what to look for in the future um, as far as like ways to support, I don't know if you'll have kits available again for sale or anything like that but if yeah. you want to maybe speak to that i think that's probably where, a good way to send that. a fifty thousand dollar check just give us you know how what's your venmo fund her truck, <laughs> oh, oh, fund her truck. <laughs> right that money's not coming through me i don't have the legal ramifications of that uh so all of the information just as a blanket statement can be found at www.diversifytriathlonmovement.com um, and the number one way that people can support is through the fund her try fundraiser like i said we're in that window right now um, until September 15th. So we set, and by we, I mean me, and I just brought it along. <laughs> yes. I was like, when she said, goal, eight, so uh, when she said, goal, what yeah, is it? I was like, Oh God, What's our goal, so much. It's $8,000. Drop in the bucket. Drop right. in the bucket. We're going to be that drop. How far are we in Lynn? So we have, we well, so we've gotten a couple more literally since I've been on this call. So um, I think we're like sneaking to 3K. We're almost to 3K. Whoa, so I like awesome it. We're doing great. I like it. And I actually oh. already know of another $1,000 that's coming through soon. So oh, we'll just yes. go ahead and round that up to four, which yes. I think equals your total from 2019. Am I right? Um, so 
I think our, our total raise for the whole year, our first ish year was like seven. Okay. So okay, okay, okay. that's right. I still wanted to be that. It. Basically what's <laughs> happening goals. is I need to hire an accountant. Already... <laughs> <laughs> do that. Because we're going to have more money coming through. So that's the number one way people, people can support right now. Um, we do have some partnerships with some um, companies. Wahoo is a Wahoo Fitness, Scratch Labs, Smash Fest Queen, um, Adiday Recovery, Zelios, they're all sponsors and supporting the athletes, which is fantastic. Smash Fest Queen did design a kit for the athletes Ooh. and they're gifting the athletes their first triathlon kit, which is really, wow. really exciting. That's super and they generous. also designed a whole line of cycling and run gear for the general public to order. That happened already in the past, but it might actually talk to Michelle from Smash Fest today. We might be opening that up for pre-sale again in order if people wanted to support the movement and wear the gear. It's a beautiful kit. She yeah, designed the beautiful. logo as well. So again, all that information can be found on the website. I keep it updated. I also have athlete spotlights on the blog on the website just to keep the community and the world in the know about the movement because like like I said, we're not done. We're just yeah. getting yeah. started. So Content it's amazing what you guys have accomplished in a short period of time. So keep at it. It's going to get it's been fun. This is what amazing. happens when you don't have a meeting about a meeting about a meeting out of the, the meeting. Oh my it's God. All the worst. Oh. Vanessa about, and I are go. like, okay, let's do these three things. Yeah. Let's do them really, really well and go. Nice. Yeah. Keep your organization small. That. So shit gets done. Yeah. <laughs> we're into it. True. So, so we'll, we'll of course have your links that you just mentioned. We'll put them in our uh, description for this um, podcast. So anyone can check it out. So with, Without further ado, thank you so much, so, so much for all that you're doing. Um, and I'm sure all your athletes are just like probably in tears hearing you guys talking about. So <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll get you back on soon. And thank you again, Lynn and Vanessa, for coming on and doing the most awesome work you could do within the sport. Thank you. Thank you. And yes, thank, thank you. you for having us. Oh, so yeah, grateful. So Our pleasure. Of course. Awesome. Flying through the sky in my parachute Dancing on the couch like I'm Tommy Cruise On a one-man mission trying to see it through